0: Thanks for joining me. All right, so welcome back to the Lifestyle Chase. Today, I am joined by Krista Haggerty. Did I get your last name right?
1: Yeah, you totally did. It's good.
0: Perfect, perfect. So some of my audience might know who you are because you're a local to the Edmonton area and some might be meeting you for the first time. So for everybody's benefit, how would you introduce yourself at a party? Oh, <laughs>
1: That's a good one. Um, So I am Krista. I own a gym, Dark Horse Health and Fitness, but I am also a rehab professional. So I have a degree in occupational therapy. Um, I love working with kids. I work with a lot of high-end athletes and I love, honestly, I love working with moms. Yeah.
0: So if we went into the time machine, maybe like 20 years ago, What was happening in your life? And I don't pick 20 just for any reasons. Just sometimes I just I'm like, ah, this will take us somewhere interesting. So what was happening for you at that point? 20
1: years ago, 20 years ago, I had just gotten married. I was still in university getting my degree. Um, Life was like I was working three jobs. I was working at a couple bars and trying to put myself through school. And it was just a really interesting time
0: that's a great time to kind of expand on. So as we talk about school, um, what was it that, what was your why for taking the schooling you're taking at the time?
1: Oh, um, honestly, I had no idea what occupational therapy. So I, like I said, I have a degree in occupational therapy. I really had no idea what that was. Um, And this actually ties into the episode quite well I had spent my grade 11, 12 year and um, the year after I graduated from high school, kind of in and out of the hospital with an eating disorder. And one of the girls who was very consistent at coming to visit me had a degree in occupational therapy. And I really liked how it tied into the physical aspect of um, like health and wellness. But OT also takes a really big view and look into our mental um, health as well. So I liked how those two kind of just tied themselves together um, because all of that has just kind of been a huge area of fascination of mine. And so I just, <laughs> I applied one day and managed to get in and that's how I got into OT. So, Well, yeah.
0: I mean, that makes sense. It's oftentimes a person will sort of see like a version of themselves in the future and kind of be inspired of what their future could look like. Um, you, you kind of brought up that you're hustling and keeping up with a lot of jobs. What was that like to balance all that stuff?
1: Oh, it was hard. It was hard to focus on my grades. And, um, I was working, I was working in a group home for young offenders at the time. Super interesting position. Um, but it was eight hour shifts and I'd go straight from there, maybe get a little bit of studying in. go work at a bar on White Ave And then work at a restaurant in between those times, and go to school. So it was—it was uh, definitely a struggle and busy, but it kept me focused too, kept me out of trouble for sure.
0: Well, I I have plenty of experience with that hustle and the diverse like jobs that have to be done to kind of like make it work in this industry. Um, And I think it's a valuable opportunity. I think people's careers benefit from layering on those jobs. Like if somebody tells me that they have to work like a non-fitness job in order to work in the fitness industry, I don't see that as like a weakness. That's almost like a strength because it's such an interpersonal job that the more different industries that we have experience with, the better we are to connect with like real life people um, if we were to, like, if you had to choose out of those three jobs, one of them that you were going to just stop doing, which one would it be and why?
1: Oh gosh. Okay. This doesn't put a very good, uh, perspective onto my job as an OT, but, uh, it would have been working in the group home for young offenders. I would have stopped that for sure. Not because I love the clients. I honestly love the clients, but it was the bureaucracy around it all. Um, and we weren't put into, I was young. I wasn't put into the safest positions either in that, in that job. So not for sure would have been the one that I would have gotten rid of first.
0: Mm-hmm. And I only asked that question because I've found myself in similar positions, where sometimes I will take on so many different roles or wear so many different hats that I have to kind of like reflect on the situation and think, okay, like I do value all these experiences and I do gain things from all these experiences. But like at some point in order to move forward, I need to like hone it in a little bit more and yeah. take a little bit more risk in an effort to move forward. Uh, the follow up question to that that I have is how, How has that self-awareness piece, like that knowledge that you have now about what serves you and what doesn't, how does that help you make decisions in the present day?
1: Oh gosh, that's a really good question too. Um, I am a big believer in following your intuition um, and doing as many things as you can as possible that fill your cup. Um, It has taken me years to figure this out, but life is really, really short. We have to set boundaries. And so now if I don't automatically think hell yes for something, it's a no, right? If, if someone asks me to do something or if I'm doing something that doesn't light, like light me up inside, it's no point, right? Then I'm not giving it my best, which is what situations deserve. And um, yeah, so I just have to that, that, that intuition, if I have to think about things too much, then I
0: just know I need to let go of those things. Right. It's true. And it like, that is something that a person who is just kind of finding their way through their career or whatever, like they kind of have to like fall down a bit for that to kind of like be really understandable for them. Like, You almost want people to have a little bit of a struggle as they are learning and growing or else it won't mean the same to them. Just like with the rules around boundaries and that rule of like, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Um, But we did sort of touch on something with your journey to being an occupational therapist and just like your journey as a youth. So let's kind of open up on that a little bit. Okay. Um, What was kind of going through your life, maybe in, in your teen years, maybe leading up to post-secondary, how did that version of you differ from the version that people will see today if they look at your social media right now? Oh gosh, you're full of good questions.
1: Um, Okay, so at that point in time, I was a high-end athlete. I've been an athlete my entire life, so I've played lots of competitive sports. And back then, like aging myself now, but back then you didn't have to like specialize in one thing. You could still focus on multiple sports. So I played ball. I was a gymnast. Um, and I also rode horses and I, when I was about, I don't know, like 16 years old, 17 years old, um, I just became super hyper-focused on the amount of activity that I was including in my life. And then I became hyper-focused on the amount of food that I should or should not eat. Um, and I don't think there's any really specific cause. I, I remember the day it started, but I don't think there was any specific cause in terms of why it was why I was so hyper-focused on those things, other than maybe the fact that I was so into sports. Um But yeah, so when I was 16, I I can like, it's crazy how you can pinpoint the things that absolutely totally change your trajectory. I remember going to a ball tournament. It was up in Grand Prairie and it was the first inning and I like the, the first inning of the first game in provincials. And I slid into home base and I totally wrecked my ankle. So I was out for the rest of the weekend and, uh, my mom bless her heart in trying to keep me like calm and not super frustrated about the whole thing went and bought me some books and some magazines and one of the books was a uh, it by an author called Susan Powder. I actually call her the devil, but I'm sure she's a lovely person. <laughs> she was a very big catalyst in, in some of my issues. Um, and she wrote a book and it was all... Back then, it was all about um, how we should eliminate fat, all fat. Everything needs to be low fat, no fat, like under 10% fat. And I, it was like that book that was the catalyst to... I like diving me deep into body image issues, eating disorder, like all that kind of disordered pattern living. Yeah.
0: that That is quite the book. I mean, I could see where you would uh, <laughs> describe her as being sort of like the, the devil. Um, when you think about the things that matter to you, like the hell, the hell yes things and the hell no things, can you define what they would be At 16 years, 17 years of age?
1: Oh, at 16 and 17 years of age, it was all about friends, right? It was all about being with my friends, my peers, um, fitting in. Um, Mm. Very different from what it is now, for sure.
0: What did uh, fitting in look like for you in your life? Like, How did your day change if you fit in versus if you didn't?
1: Uh, I guess probably just the... the comfort in going to school, right? If you fit in, it's easy to walk down those halls, right? Mm -hmm. The busy halls filled with people, lots of people saying hello, lots of people not like just excited to see you, right? If you don't fit in, you're just like a shadow walking down the hall, right? And I mean, I was lucky. It's not that I didn't ever fit in. I had lots of friends, right? I mean, that came along with the athletics, but it was just... Yeah, you just kids just want to fit in. I get it. I have three kids now. I see it in them, too.
0: Absolutely. And like, I mean, that's something that we might uh, that's a rabbit hole. We might dive down further with my own personal experiences and stuff. But I have a follow up question more in line with like your present day work and like your work with like young athletes and youth and stuff having gone through the stuff that you've gone through and had the experiences that you've had, have you ever had an instance where you kind of came across someone that reminded you of a younger you that kind of like gave you a different sense of purpose in the work that you're doing?
1: So I see them every day, right? I see, I see versions of myself every day, whether it is someone, whether it's like an athlete or whether it's like a mom I see those people that don't have the confidence and that, I mean, let's face it. We work in an industry where people are coming to us to change the version that they are of themselves within some capacity. Some obviously are wanting to change at larger extremes. Some just want to change little bits, but everybody comes wanting to make a change. So, I mean, I see it in my clients every single day.
0: What's been like the biggest, most rewarding moment that you can reflect on in the last couple of years, like with working with these people that are reminding you of a version of yourself, has there ever been like a little moment within a session or a conversation that was like, yeah, that was it right there?
1: Yeah, um, many, but uh, I'll use like this a couple of weeks ago. I had a new client, for example, she's a mom, she came in and I always ask like, when I'm working with my clients, I mean, I try not to make it around like based around physical appearance, right? So I always ask what their like non scale, non appearance based victories are. And uh, one mom that just started working with me, she's like, I actually have confidence now to take my kid to go to the playground, right? Um, that's huge. I have confidence to be able to go out and try new things. Like all of that is a big, big win for me when I can see anyone gain self-esteem and self-confidence. For me, that's what that is. It's that's a whole purpose for me,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I'm I'm very aligned with that. Like with what I have uh, experienced and learned and evolved into as I've grown as a fitness professional, etc., is just like the things that matter to me, and it's definitely like to break it down to concentrate it. It would be like instilling a sense of confidence in people of all kinds of different uh, life paths. So realizing how we can instill confidence in somebody who's like elderly, we can instill confidence in somebody who's a teenager is going to look different for everybody. But once you reach that like point, then you're actually giving them something that is of so much more value yeah. than giving them like metrics on like a spreadsheet or like, totally. giving them, like a before after picture. And it's like, it's such an opportunity in our industry, especially now when with just people are missing that sense of like community, they're missing that sense of connection that they would have with, the emotions that come with like being part of a group kind of thing. Like yeah. when you talked about uh, kind of feeling like you had some people to say hi to and stuff at school in your younger years um, that kind of like, that's something that I think about often when I think about like my, my younger years and I'll kind of, I'll open up on that a little bit. So when I was in junior high, um, I wouldn't say I was unpopular but I was proficient at singling myself out okay. so like I wasn't disliked but I didn't go to any of the parties Um, like I, I didn't drink at all before I was 18 and I was fairly focused on just staying out of trouble so because of that there was a lot of things that I'd avoid and I was having a conversation with my oldest niece, she just recently turned 14, and I was telling her about like how much I singled myself out. So we had this like competition where it was like make a song about healthy life choices and if you win the contest, they take you to a studio and you record the song. And so I made a song about, uh, there was an instance when I was in grade seven, and one of my peers, uh, he almost like, at the time in my life, I felt like he was going to die of alcohol poisoning. Um, Knowing what I know now, he probably would have just, like there wasn't so much of a risk of dying, but more so just it looked horrible. And it was horrific as as a youth to see your peer just like, spewing foam and just completely disoriented and you think that yeah. you're still a kid but it's just like you turn an adult really fast um but my song was about how I made choices not to smoke in the dugout and I made choices not to drink at the parties and uh that's what I did and I kind of put myself out there with that song and they played it over the intercom and then they made t-shirts and they put my song lyrics on the back of the t-shirt and oh, they wow! And so I really took a stance at a young age that like I was just going to be me and I didn't want to fit in with with whatever the, the popular vote was sort of thing and it in a sense it really helped teach me what I needed In those times when I didn't feel like I necessarily had like kind of a community to rely on. So my pillars during that time of my life were um, I would lean on my teachers a lot. Uh, My gym teachers specifically would open up their classroom for me to hang out with them before class. And then they gave me access to the weight room so I could just be somewhere like I would come to school like an hour early and just go. Ironically, I spent a lot of time on the spin bike. Um, and then later became a spin instructor. So it was kind of a fun (laughs) full circle moment, full circle. Yeah. But like totally unconnected, I would have never predicted those two moments in my life. And then my band teacher also gave me access to the band room, quite a few different lunch hours. And like other teachers would come up to him and say, you know, like other teachers would come up to him and another teacher. And it was only one teacher in specific, but he would be like, you're wasting your time letting this guy like, uh, take advantage of you helping him out kind of thing. And like, it just, it made me feel so bad because then that guy was like, you need to stop bugging these teachers. I'm like, these teachers are keeping me out of trouble. These teachers are providing me with something really valuable. So yeah, they're giving
1: you a sense of purpose while you're at school. Right.
0: Absolutely. Like to this day, I always, uh, give credit to those teachers because they have no idea the, the difference they made in my life. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I rolled out my, my high school, junior high experience. And as I when I went into senior high, I had an extra probably 100 credits in like extracurricular credit courses for computers and volunteering. I mentored some grade sevens that were coming up into uh, or no, grade sixes that were coming up into grade seven because I went to a regional school. So it's grade seven to 12, about 150 yeah. people. And so I, my high school spirit experience felt very isolated. And in the time since I started, that's when I kind of had like my party phase. Cause I was like, yeah. oh, man, I'm tired of being by myself. I'm going to try to change who I am a little bit to fit in. And I allowed myself to change. I kind of became a chameleon in an industry that was made majorly based around like you do your nine to five and then you go and you drink and you go to the bar and you do all the stuff. And I thought that that was it. And then at like 25, 26, I had my quarter life crisis and I realized that wasn't it. (laughs) Far too, far too distanced from who I am as a person. And that's when I started uh, making moves to get closer and closer into the fitness industry, starting with like an account manager job with Yike Fitness and spin instructing. And then that turned into my first training job. And then that turned into being a self-employed trainer. And it just kind of snowballed from there. But at the end of that long story that I just shared, the thing that I learned is that what matters, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't matter the popularity for me. It matters that I'm aligned with like uh, what, what my sense of purpose is. Yes. So the things that like align with my values and I can be surrounded by like three people, but if I'm doing things that matter to me, then that is what gives me a good quality of life. Yes. If I'm surrounded by like 20, 30 people, um but I'm not doing things that matter to me, like that crowd of people isn't going to matter. And then so yes. moving forward, like that's been such a huge huge piece of self-awareness for me.
1: 100 I and I like I actually have a part of part of what I offer through like my Dark Horse Fitness is a program called Life Ignited which essentially helps uh it's, it was designed for moms who have kind of lost their sense of selves. And one of the biggest things we talk about is identifying your core values because I don't think people think about that enough. And if you can line your life in line with the things that are most important to you, your values, right, then you feel like you have a sense of purpose and then you feel like um, you, feel you, you find yourself again, right?
0: Absolutely. And I mean, like, as your career has evolved, like, I can tell that you've done a lot of different, like, educational opportunities and done some, like, different, like, short courses, long courses. Right now, it seems that you're enrolled in something uh, pretty major. What are you doing right now for schooling?
1: Well, right now, I'm just trying to upgrade some courses um, with the intention of getting my master's in physical therapy. So that's always, I mean, I love the OT aspect. Um but physio has always been like a, a love of mine. Uh, and so I just, I have like all the courses, but they need them recent within five years. So yeah. it's been a little longer than five years since I graduated. So I'm just upgrading.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that is, I think that's part of the, the joy in like continuing to sharpen the needle or like keep ourselves fresh is just being able to own the, every brick that goes into the wall yeah. um, a lot of the time people put their big hairy audacious goal up on the wall and then they realize that there are little micro steps to get to that goal yeah. and those steps might make that goal take a bit longer or those steps might mean like some failure might be involved or or whatever that may be but i don't think that should ever be a reason to deter anybody from going after that big goal And I agree to sprinkle some context into there for the listeners, like for myself, um, I would have to say I started getting employed within the fitness industry somewhere in like 2017, 2018 and throughout that journey, while from the outside looking in, it might look like I just like had a really clear path and it just went all smooth. But there's multiple times like I, My career survived a gym closure before all the pandemic gym closures. And there have been instances where I thought like my career would be done, like over, finished. And there's been so many instances where I have second-guessed myself. I've had people very close to me, completely second-guess me, just say like, you should get out of this industry. The the whole reason why I resigned from my old job in the first place was a former employee said I wouldn't be able to do it and I'd be on EI and I'd be <laughs> teaching boot camps to nobody, so that that fired me up to begin with. But then throughout that journey, there was lots of times when I like, doubted myself. When I was like, I spent a lot of 2021 looking for full time jobs completely out of the industry just to survive, even though I was doing a lot of I was in a lot of roles that had potential. I didn't believe in myself. And I was yeah. ready to just be like, yes, yeah, isn't happening. But then now to present day, like I'm in a very solid position, lots of momentum. And like, it's, it's to the point where every single day at the end of the day, I like think about the people who have helped me, like everybody from like the trainers who helped me get my certification, the facility owners that hosted the events that I attended the podcasts I listened to, the first clients I had, I'm like, I wouldn't be here without those people. And I just try and like keep an inventory of those people in my head. Cause I'm like, all of this could be gone tomorrow. Totally. Like, it's just, hopefully people are understanding that, their path is probably more similar to anybody else's than it is different. Like if they're struggling to kind of hit their stride in the industry, like the number one piece of advice I would have for somebody is just like, do not quit. Like, don't just quit, keep going, go find some side jobs, um, ask people questions, but at, like, just don't quit and you should be fine. And that's like, even if somebody was in the non-fitness industry, if they were like selling muffins on on the street, like don't quit selling muffins. And you will have a franchise in like six years or something. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Honestly, you just have to make it past like those sticking points, right? Just.
0: Absolutely. So as you were making that decision to continue on with education and get your physiotherapy or physical therapy, depending which country people are listening from, (laughs) um, what, what was the aha moment for that? And was there any doubt as you kind of had that aha moment? Uh,
1: you know, so I've talked, my husband and I have talked about me going back to school for a while and uh, it the, just, the timing wasn't right. Right. Um, I love everything that I do about training but I just... My hands are tied right, with scope of practice and all that kind of stuff, even though I do have my OT degree, like that back at, background in rehab med. Um, and <laughs> this is it's crazy. Uh, hopefully becoming a physio is like my retirement plan. There are times when I just want like a 9 to 5 job where I have a little bit of consistency, right? So I literally... Decided overnight that this was something I wanted to do. I applied the next day, enrolled in my courses, and like that's just kind of how, how I roll. I decide something and then I just do it, right? And there's no stopping me.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I can I can relate to that. A lot of my uh, a lot of my decisions are based, kind of rooted in my values. Like they'll usually it'll be like. One of the questions I ask myself is like, "Mm, would my parents be proud of me doing this? Sometimes they'd be a little bit nervous, but if they're proud and nervous, then I'm good. (laughs) If they're not proud and they're not nervous, then I'm not good. Don't do that thing. (laughs) but like what's helped me in the past is like, as a kid, I'd see my parents take a lot of different risks, like do a lot of little side hustles as they transitioned from job to job. And a lot of their job decisions were based around family. Like, yep. uh, there's times my dad could have probably gotten a promotion, but instead of a promotion, he stayed close to home. There's times when he went back to school and with my mom, she, when I was a little kid, my mom sold, uh, sort of like edible flowers that could be presented with like dishes and stuff in restaurants. Yep. yep. And so I travel along with my little book of snacks. It was like one of those fabrically fabric sewn together books with like Cheerios. The best. And it was, <laughs> it was yeah. if I could get that refilled and like have it with me today, that would be the best. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: I love but, that you said that though, because that was also a big thing. I mean, I have three kids. I have an 18, a 16 and a 14 year old. And I don't want them to ever feel like their hands are tied if they want to make a change of direction, right? Mm -hmm. So um, they've heard me talk about potentially wanting to do this for a long time. And, you know, I kind of had to put my, like, I, I just had to go for it, right? So that they knew they can also do anything that they so choose to do and that there's no... Time frame to it, right? We hear that all. And like, I hear that in my activities that I do too. Like I love to mountain bike, I love to snowboard, all that kind of stuff. I am not like, I mean, I'm not old, but I'm also not very young, but I'm told all the time, aren't you too old to do that? Aren't you too old to do that? And that is not something I want my kids to ever, you're never too old to try anything, right? Or to change your path or your course in life. So that's like, my kids are a huge um, inspiration for all of that as
0: well. Well, I mean, and it's such an important message. I have often I have very like real conversations with my parents and my fitness advice to them is like, find whatever way to keep your work capacity as high as possible for as long as you possibly can. Like it's not, it's not very popular to like say to your parents, I want you to work your ass off. as long as possible but that's kind of like the the simplest way that I can put it and I'll add some context for people who think I'm like just a horrible kid but uh, (laughs) generally speaking what my parents have found to be most helpful to their health and well-being is to uh, structure their days with like work and things that require effort and things that require like problem solving and thinking like they've been retired for a while now they're uh, approaching 70 Um, they still look like 55 And uh, as they age, what gives them a sense of purpose is like having projects around the house. And with that, like they've each benefited from some of my skill set with teaching them how to brace as they lift and teaching them just like stacking their ribcage and pelvis and just different things that uh, help with their holistic well-being, like ensuring that they're going for daily walks, even when it might not be the best weather or innovating by using the treadmill or indoor bike just to keep their activity levels high. Yep. Because like life is so short and just like many of us have probably seen someone in our life's like health just deteriorate super fast as soon as they stop moving. And it's just such a real thing. Yeah. And so the more that we're able to promote to people like, hey, like don't take your foot off the gas. Like just keep going because tomorrow isn't guaranteed for anybody Totally, like anybody that's listening tomorrow is not guaranteed I know I've had a near-death experience and it totally changed how I viewed life um and it's we really have to uh take in the moment and so it's great to know that you are continuing on with your professional path and like adding more skills to the toolbox etc but with that said in the time that you've been in the industry so far what has been maybe the top two moments where you've doubted yourself because like I can imagine there's been some stories, some things that have maybe changed the way you see things or maybe made you second guess yourself but uh do you have any that you could share?
1: Mm. i honestly i that's a really hard question because I have been really, really lucky in terms of the people that I work with um mm. In which i've never i don't think the only time i've really doubted honestly was during covid if i should you know keep pushing through that was more due to circumstance than anything to do with like my profession so i i honestly don't think there's really a time where i've ever doubted myself or my abilities to and i don't know maybe this comes across as cocky but i I haven't doubted my ability to make a change in someone's life, even if it's, which is the reason I do any of this, right? Even if it's some small change, I've, I have I have always been confident that I can do that. So that's what keeps me going.
0: Absolutely. I hope that and doesn't I mean, come
1: across as like super cocky. <laughs>
0: no 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 because i'm gonna add a layer of context to sort of help people see what i'm seeing in this like if somebody just to add on if somebody ever went back from episode one to episode whatever this is it's like 200 or something um (laughs) they would be able to find the lessons in something that everybody shares and so i'm going to share the lesson that they can get from this like i've witnessed a lot of different uh different styles of business, like outside of fitness, inside of fitness. Yeah. And I've met a lot of owners. I've had a lot of conversations. And the thing that sets people apart is when they can just simply believe in themselves and their ability. And it doesn't mean that that person thinks that they are perfect or flawless. It just simply means that they know that whatever they have to do, they're going to do it. And so they can count on themselves. Yep. And so for the person that's listening that's like oh man like I doubt myself like why do I have to doubt myself like, I mean like that is the that's the ticket like that's the thing that's going to help you if you can just simply not doubt yourself like you're going to have a lot of other people that doubt you so why do you have to doubt yourself and like it might there's maybe times for a person as they're trying to improve and grow and Uh, pay their bills properly. Um, There's going to be times when they have plenty of reasons to doubt themselves. And then it's just going to come down to the environment that they set themselves up in (laughs) um, that supports them in not doubting themselves. And to add light to that, I mean, for myself, I realized that uh, my parents are pillars. They are people who are going to believe that I can do the thing. They're going to be kind of people who keep me on my toes. Like if I am chasing a dream job, then I still need to be putting in work just as if I was working like a nine to five. And so even if I might not have enough clients, I should be doing something from when I wake up to when I go to bed that aligns with me doing the final job. Like if, if I said I want to be a trainer and then I was just like, going golfing all day, like my parents would have a harder time backing me up. Yeah. But if I'm like, I want to be a trainer and I'm like offering like complimentary consults and taking continuing education and working out myself to kind of like get personal experience and stuff like then it's a lot different. So for people who are looking to this episode to kind of like build their own wall of momentum and move forward, I would say find ways to not doubt yourself because that's the differentiating factor. Like the best example that I often reflect on is we can think about Amazon. Yep. And I remember when Amazon was first like starting up, all you could get was books. Like you go and it's like, it wasn't the fastest delivery, but it was a delivery and you pick like a selection of books and maybe some CDs and that's what you got. Yep. And there was a time when people would think that that was kind of a silly, like inefficient way to get a book. Like why not just go to chapters or Indigo or whatever other stores people would be going to. But then they pressed on they took feedback and they took like market research and they expanded and they found that they could have success by choosing like the biggest inventories and the biggest, uh, just leveraging things within like consumerism and then improving the processes, et cetera. And so now suddenly they're like a monopoly (laughs) in the marketplace and we've got Amazon buildings everywhere. But I think,
1: but I think what they did is they started by building on what they were good at, right? Exactly. And that's like for anyone doing anything, you build on your strengths, and then when you are confident on with those strengths, then you have like a little bit more courage to step out and branch out a little bit, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And I mean that—that's kind of the cool gift that we can give people when we're working with people in person is sometimes they don't realize like the things that they're strong at, like they don't—they've yep. never had an opportunity for somebody to really point it out, and. Yep. I've definitely experienced this in some of my most recent uh, in-person training sessions that I've had with clients where I've made a point to kind of like observe and look for the thing that they just absolutely did amazing at in the session. And then I make sure to kind of like verbally highlight it, just be like, holy cow, that was awesome. Or I'll be like, you know, that's like the best tricep extension I have seen all day. Yep. And then to see like how they react and even in like a video call, when a person's able to like have something highlighted that they're doing really well, like it just transforms their self image um, and gives that them that sense of like uh, almost autonomy or confidence to be able to move forward in the other unrelated tasks. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Right. If we can build I'm a firm believer of that, right? If you can build confidence in the small things, right? And if you as a trainer can really listen to your clients, you can pick up on little nuances that they're talking about too. And you can change their perception of themselves in those, in like within those single sessions. And that just changes the people they are when they leave your doors. Right. And um, yeah, if you can boost their confidence, it's huge. That's huge. That's, that's, hundred percent what it's all
0: about. Can you reflect on a recent time when you've witnessed somebody's confidence, just kind of like do a 360 right in front of your eyes?
1: Yeah, I see it a lot with my athletes, right. Especially just recently. Um, I've been working with a couple athletes going away to play college hockey and when they started with me, um, I don't know that how much they truly believed in their maybe their abilities to play hockey, but when it came to like the fitness testing and stuff, which they all do, I know for a fact they doubted themselves. Right? Sometimes I know some of them were told that you know they couldn't do it in with with previous people, or they questioned their strength. But um, my one girl just left, and she was excited for her fitness testing because I just, we just worked at building confidence. Like I worked at telling her how strong she was and how fast she was. And you could see her level of confidence through the sessions, just like skyrocket. And she went and she nailed her testing, right? Stuff like that is, is pretty fun to watch.
0: Well, it's cool how it can stay with a person for years to come. Like years. Well, I mean, like my, my fitness career is almost inspired by the people who said that I could do a thing and gave me confidence in a, in a realm that I didn't think I had any business being confident in. I mean, earlier in this episode, I shared about like the impact that my teachers have had on me. And, uh, one of them, uh, Mr. Axelson, he, I I first met him when I was in grade seven, going into the, the high school for the first time. And he, uh, was like a, nearly seven foot tall like science teacher (laughs) and the first things that he said to me was like I was going to be taller one day and I should play basketball and I was like I have no business playing basketball like nobody in my family played basketball like everybody in my family is like averaging around five six to five eight like we're not tall people (laughs) um but he believed that it was worth it for me to try and I was kind of used to people like looking me up and down and thinking, you should probably sit this one out, buddy. And like, he inspired me to give it a shot. And then I, I played and I wasn't the best player on the team. I spent a lot of time on the bench. I had, I had some coaches that weren't as good at instilling confidence in me. I never actually got to be directly coached by Axelson, but that those little moments and that's like, demonstration of somebody else believing in me more than I believed in myself at that time um, were very influential in my career change. And for anybody wanting to dive deeper down in that rabbit hole, I actually had an interview with uh, Axelson's wife because Axelson passed away in a car accident like a decade ago now. And like, I still think about him all the time. And I still think about like how he instilled confidence in me at a time in my life when I needed it at a time in my life when I was singling myself out and he stuck up for me when I needed it. And in my near death experience, he cared that I was alive because I almost died in a cross country meet. It was really hot day in September and I got hospitalized and was unconscious for about an hour. I was twitching out on the ground and foaming at the mouth and like my whole family came and then, like a couple days later I returned to school and I walked in the doors and he comes from his classroom into the hallway to like connect. And just like that level of like humanity, um, inspired me enough that like there was a point where it was after he had passed away after I had attended the funeral, which had probably 500 people in a place that seated 300 people were in the parking lot, sitting in their truck box to be at this thing. Um, And that level of belief in me and the fact that ironically I had gotten a tattoo on my arm that said, I know that you can do the impossible. I was like, okay, like everything is stacking up that I need to do something that actually matters to me. And I need to stop like, just like letting my life pass me by just to be secure, stable, predictable. I need to be doing something that I give a shit about and I need to be making an impact and I need to be making the people who have made me, me proud, whether they're here or not, I still need to do something that they would be proud to see. And so yeah, like little things like that help a lot when you want to quit and then you think about why did I start? And then it ends up, you're willing to do more than a lot of people in order to follow through with what you said that you're going to do. Um, Yep. Do you have anybody that's inspired you in a similar way in your life? Oh, lots of people.
1: Uh, uh, coaches like my parents. Um, I don't know that I can single out any person. I've been really lucky to be blessed with amazing people in my life that have always, um, encouraged me even my I have crazy ideas sometimes my husband is probably the biggest encouragement he doesn't ever think anything's too crazy he goes along with whatever hairbrained idea i have and there are many of them but um yeah i think that there's been so many influential people i think so I, I'm a coach, like I coach athlete or like young kids too, right? And I think in you saying all of that, people underestimate the power that they have when working with people. The small things matter the most, and the small things will always stick with you, right? Um, yeah, and because of that, I can't really pinpoint anyone because there's so many people who have done the small things to help get me where I am or encourage me to continue doing whatever it is I'm doing. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. And I mean, the thing that we can take away from that is just how much of an impact the little small things that we do in each day matter. Yeah. Like uh, the words of encouragement, the eye contact, the body language, the little things that we can do to kind of like get somebody started. Yeah. Um, It's, it's incredible the impact that people can have on one another and how much we take it for granted sometimes totally. in a world that is so like stuck on like, uh, likes and shares and all that totally. stuff, on social media. Yeah. Um, one thing that I do with this show is sometimes I'll get people to kind of like unpack a goal that they have for themselves. Maybe like somewhere in the distant future, maybe it could be five years from now, 10 years from now, maybe it could be next week, but the reason that I get them to share the goal is it's kind of like that, uh, the concept of law of attraction. Like I'll just like yep. be straightforward. Like oftentimes I will get somebody to share something with me on the podcast. Cause I know I'm not taking it down, like unless some, <laughs> but it's like, then it's out there and then I can circle back to them. And it's kind of like one of those things that subliminally might help them actually reach that goal. So with that said, do you have a goal in mind that you maybe you haven't shared too much, but you think you want to pull it off?
1: Oh, wow. Um, Okay, well, obviously, my goal is to get my master's in physio. Um, But maybe as an aside from that. um, oh. I would like so my life ignited program that I designed. I would like. I, I can't. I mean, I'm not going to put it into like a smart goal because I haven't really thought that that deeply into it. But I would like to. Uh, I would like to do more with that. Um, whether it's like it's like a I've created this hundred page workbook workshop type thing, and so whether it would be like. Oh, you're really like making me think outside the box, whether it be like um, I actually really enjoy public speaking. So whether it be starting to present that in a larger format instead of just like small groups, even like something like a teacher's convention or something along those lines. Like I really believe in this program um, for helping boost confidence, find your sense of self. Um, learn about, it's all about stress management. Like it encompasses, it honestly encompasses all the pillars of health. So if I could do something more with that, or whether it be publish the workbook, something along those lines would be super cool. Cause I'm really proud of that program.
0: Mm-hmm. I dig it. And like the cool thing, like I share my goals pretty bluntly quite often, and it's not for everyone. Like some people might It's kind of like how we were worried before about like how would people think if they thought that you never had an instance where you thought that you weren't confident or you thought you wouldn't be successful kind of thing. Same goes for like my uh, lack of hesitation in sharing what I'm going to do with my life. I'm like, that's just, that's something that makes me a little bit quirky. Some people can like it, some people can dislike it, but it is what it is. i found that by sharing my goals with people, with the general public, blasting it out on an Instagram post or whatever, oftentimes that empowers and equips me to actually like get there. Yeah, Because like you never know who is like watching or listening. And you're putting yourself on the hook. Exactly. Well, it's like, it holds you accountable. It holds you to a higher standard. Then all of a sudden you can't like half an asset on your way to that goal. But then also so many people like, people get lit up by helping other people reach their goal. Like we can't yeah. deny it. Even if, if they have nothing to do with the fitness industry, a lot of a uh, personal trainer's first clients actually get lit up because they are like the OGs. They are the people helping that person start this career. Yeah. And like, despite the fact that they're undoubtedly getting immense value from that professional, um, they are also like the hero of the story. Like, yeah. I'll never forget my first like dozen clients. I can like think of their faces and their personalities. And I literally
1: still have most of my first clients still come and see me on a regular basis 10 years later. Is it because I'm not doing my job? No, it's because we've developed such a good relationship and I'm doing my job so well, right? But it becomes like a talk
0: show. It's like totally like a talk show mentorship kind of thing. And sometimes that mentorship works both ways. Like there's totally. been a lot of business owners that I've trained over the years that teach me things about like financial literacy and boundaries of family, just like little things that like,
1: Oh, it's such a reciprocal relationship. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But the fun thing is that like as time goes on with this show, I have a tendency to like circle back to people and be like, how's that goal going? <laughs> so Oh good. good. So
1: now I'm on the hook. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Um there's a question that I used to ask my guests when I first started the podcast. And if somebody's listening to this episode for the first time, I actually encourage you to go to like episode one and just see how the podcast has evolved and see the plethora of different guests, because you'll get to listen to me at the pretty much the start of my self-employed part of my journey, um, you'll hear me evolve and get a little bit more eloquent and learn and network and expand. But the question is, if you were to give a person one piece of advice on how to live their life to the fullest in the most authentic way, what would that piece of advice be? Just do
1: the things, do the things you want to do, right? Don't, don't hold back, right? I'm like very big on living your best. Like that's like my whole mantra, right? You got to do the things to live your best life. You only have one life. I know it sounds cliche, but you, you legit only have one life. So when something and it's taken me years to figure this out myself, but when something pops in your head and you want to do it, just do it. Just go for it. Take the steps to to reach the goals or don't let those small things and don't let your head, don't let the voices in your head stop you from just doing the things you want to do. Right. And that can, it can be simple. It can be like the other day I decided I wanted to go to the, I need the mountains and water like are the things that fuel my soul. And so I didn't really have a lot of time to go, right? So I packed up my girls, we packed up for the day, and went with the paddleboards. We did some paddling, some swimming, some hiking, we visited Jasper, and we drove back the same day. Did I drive more than I uh, was actually visiting the town? Absolutely. Were there a million and one reasons that I could have made up in my mind that I shouldn't do that? 100%, right? I'm busy, at school, I work, I have all kinds of things going on but I did it. And it was like one of the best days I've had in a long time. I mean, that's obviously just a little example, but we tell ourselves not to do the little things all the time. So we just, you just need to do, just do the things.
0: Totally. Completely agree with that. And with that said, thanks for coming on the show today, Krista. Thank
1: you for having me, Chris. I appreciate it. It was fun.